a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the CEO Radio Podcast. It's your host, John Mayetta. We're going to wrap up the trilogy today with part three of our CEO analysis series, which is a deep dive into the various attributes on the CEORator.com platform. Recall we have 42 predefined attributes. They're attributes that I created based on my experience covering public companies, my experience running an M&A organization, my experience as an entrepreneur, and they speak to a CEO's leadership style. Then recall the 42 categories, or, or, or rather the 42 attributes are spread across four categories, and we've covered the uh, three of the four at this point, personality-related and investor-related. We covered in part one, strategy and tactics, we covered in part two, and today we'll cover the operations-related attributes. There are 12 of them. The first one is conserves capital. That's important because there are a lot of CEOs out there who will overspend. And typically where I see overspend or lack of discipline as it applies to capital allocation, it's in two areas. One area is, is sales and marketing. If you look at the P&L statement for technology companies, you'll typically see a sales and marketing line where those two expense items are bundled as one. And it's just the sort of the approach to business that if we hire more sales and marketing people, everything will be rosy. They'll more than pay for themselves and you know we'll accelerate revenue growth in, in doing so. And I don't buy that. I'm an advocate for a disciplined approach to, to sales and marketing into every hiring decision within a company. And then the other, area, the other area where I see lack of discipline in terms of uh, capital allocation is on M&A. You know, trading multiples for a given space may be 15 times EBITDA, and you'll see companies in non-competitive processes pay 30 or 40 times EBITDA on a target company with EBITDA. So in other words, it's not that the, the, the EBITDA line, the profit line is minuscule, and therefore the multiple is high. It's more a function of lack of discipline on the buyer's part. Attribute number two is wasteful capital allocation, just the converse of what we spoke about, so we covered that. Uh, attribute number three, product-centric some CEOs are product-centric, some are sales-centric, which happens to be attribute number four. You know, they just come from different disciplines, typically. So if a CEO grew up in product engineering, he or she will have a different approach to the CEO role than a CEO whom grew up in the sales organization. Doesn't mean one's better than the other. We, we weight these two attributes, product-centric, sales-centric, as neutral on the platform. It's just more of a, a descriptor. So if you're an employee and you've registered on the platform and you're assigning attributes, doesn't mean you're going to penalize or promote your CEO by labeling he or she as product-centric or sales-centric. It's just literally a, a, a descriptor for um, sort of defining that person's approach to the CEO role. Operationally focused, uh, we assign a value of one to that. And, and remember, um, sort of the, the values that we assign to each of these attributes, they're available for anybody and everybody to see. So if you visit our platform and, and click on the attributes, not only do we give you the attribute, the name of the attribute, the description of the attribute, but we give you the, the, the category that we assign it to, whether it's operations related, like we're talking about today, or one of the other three categories, and we give you the associated value, whether it's a, a neutral value, a positive value, or a negative value. And recall the scale is 0, 1, negative 1. We, it's, it's an unweighted value scale for each of these attributes. Um, so operationally focused CEOs, we view that as a positive. If the if the CEO rated community labels a particular CEO as being operationally focused, that's that's a good thing. That means he or she, that CEO, is on top of things, on the ball. They've operationalized the organization. They're process driven. They're disciplined around capital allocation. They have a disciplined hiring program. They may have a training program for 
junior level employees out of school. You know, they have a disciplined approach to everything the organization does. They're operationally focused. Uh, well-prepared, sort of a sub-attribute of operationally focused, but nonetheless, uh, that's a positive value of one if, if the community decides that a particular CEO is well-prepared. When I created that, when I was thinking more in, in the context of uh, as an investor, you meet with a CEO and he or she either does or doesn't have their act together in terms of their ability to talk about the business, to describe the business, to provide data to support the arguments they may be making about the business. Uh, attribute number seven, customer centric. We give that a positive value of one, uh, sort of self-explanatory. There are many CEOs out there who aren't customer centric. They're, they're out there running companies, building products that, that they want to use which customers may not necessarily deem valuable. So the company is a personal uh, sandbox for the CEO. And typically I would see that with, um, uh, with, with engineering types. And that's not a negative, that's just my observation. I don't mean to stereotype or paint with a broad brush, but I would often find engineering-oriented CEOs who were building products that fascinated them but didn't provide value to customers. Just an observation. Attribute number eight is just the converse of number seven, so I won't cover it. Um, attribute number nine understands the competition. Uh, we assign a, a value of, of one to, to this attribute. You would think that's sort of par for the courses as, as a CEO that he or she would, would have a, a good grasp on the competitive environment. In my experience, I found that more or less to be true, that a CEO would, would know with some level of, of granularity the competitive landscape. Where I saw CEOs fall down was, I'll give you an example. Now, this is my personal experience, but I think it just paints, it paints a picture. You know, if, if I'm uh, a CEO of one of the many grocers, you know, the grocery businesses across the globe that, that saw their market caps get cut by a third when Amazon bought Whole Foods, my guess is many of them weren't thinking that Amazon could step, in, could step into this space. You know, Amazon was somewhere where you bought... Uh, uh, sneakers, you, you bought uh, you know, tangible goods. Amazon was somewhere where you bought non-food stuffs. Uh, and then when a a Amazon got into the, the, the food business with Amazon Pantry, food and home goods, uh, the grocers still ignore, ignored them. And ultimately, of course, Amazon acquired Whole Foods. So CEOs may do a good job of understanding the landscape in their, in their core business, but they don't, also, they don't always do a great job of identifying threats that may come from non-obvious competitors. And I'm not even talking about a, a, a black swan event per se, but let's call it a gray swan, where somebody from a, a different space entirely leverages capability that they may have and they encroach on your space and disrupt it. So I think many CEOs have a, a, a blind spot to that aspect of understanding the competition. It takes well-reasoned action uh, we, we assign a value of, of positive, uh, positive value of one. If the CEO, CEO rate of community decides that a particular CEO has a takes well-reasoned action, that's a that's a good thing. You know, we we'd like to believe that CEOs take well-reasoned action, that they're logical beings, but CEOs oftentimes do get emotional and do make decisions that are emotional. And you'll see this in in M and A as an example, which is why sometimes deals don't work, or if they do go through. Uh, companies will pay higher multiples out of spite, despite the competitor. So, yes, CEOs are, are guilty of letting their emotions uh, drive their actions on occasion. Employee-centric, attribute number 11. Not every CEO loves their employee base. Many CEOs do love their employee base. 
some CEOs view employees as a necessary evil. So felt it was important to include this attribute on the platform so that the community could decide whether or not a particular CEO was employee-centric. And then the last attribute is just the converse of employee-centric, low, low attention to employees, which I just don't get. I just don't get that. You can have a great vision, and let's say, you know, in the technology space, let's say you're a, 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 a software engineer and you start your own company. So, yes, you can create the initial product offering yourself. You don't... You know, you don't need employees. You can you can build sort of a, a pilot project type of type of deal on top of AWS. You can roll it out, go live with it, iterate on it, and, and have a commercial application that you've developed sitting on top of AWS, fully operational. But then to to grow that business, even if it's a Facebook, Snap, Instagram type business where you don't you know not a traditional business in the sense that you don't have um, uh, a phone bank, customer service. Yeah, it all sort of takes place on the phone and the user large, largely drives the business in terms of publishing their own content. So the user is, is creating much of the value that's inherent on the platform. Even if it's that type of business, you still need great people to make the user experience engaging, to make the user experience frictionless, make the user experience intuitive, enticing, fun to use. You need great people to, to design that experience. You need great people to build that experience. And the best people are, are hard to find. Frankly, you know, just good qualified people are hard to find. And once you find them and those employees are engaged, when you lose them, it's disruptive. So, so why, why wouldn't you want to take care of those people, try to understand what makes your employees tick, not only in the aggregate, but I mean individually, you know, so to keep people engaged and productive and so on and so forth. I mean, I don't have to spell this out. It's, to me, it's obvious. And I'm sure to a lot of you, it's obvious. Why everybody doesn't do this, I don't, I don't understand. But that's all for today. See you all next time.